Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Hey, this morning, I'm just going to share for a couple of moments. And uh, I've just decided, and, and I was just looking at this, I'm going to call it the three R's. The three R's of revival for a bubble-wrapped life. And I I don't know about you, but there's a lot of Christians around here, and they like to play it safe. Really safe, that you wouldn't even know they're a Christian. Anyone sitting next to someone like that? Just don't raise your hand all at once. I see that hand over there, that one, that one. Mark, come up here. Come on, Mark. Here we go. Like... And it's like, it's like, I don't know. But they live a life of mediocre. They're standing in the spotlight. Not Mark, not Mark. Thank you. But, but it's like this. It's that like they've wrapped their whole faith. Oh, this is a bit close. Not small. You'll be waiting. And it's like their whole life is just wrapped up in bubble wrap. This is their faith. It's like, it's like they've got to play it safe. Has anyone ever played it safe? Like, they don't step out. They don't mention that they're a Christian. They never pray for anyone. God's given them gifts. He's given them talent. He's given them ability. But yet they wrap it up in a bubble and keep it to themselves. Why? Because they want to play it, play it safe. And there they are. What good is he to anyone right now? He's cuddly. Oh, you want a kiss too? Anyway, that's not going to happen. But but they're they're so like so safe that they can't do a thing. It's like they've got an opinion about everything. You know that person that's like, oh, you know what? Someone should do... It's always someone else should do something. Who's had that conversation at home? Oh, I just wish they would... Well, let me tell you this, friend. God's given you gifts and an ability, and maybe if he's given you the eyes to see that problem, he's given you the ability to come with a solution for that problem. Maybe he's waiting for you to step out of your comfort zone. Go, thanks. Watch out, there's stairs there. He's safe. He's wrapped. But so these, these people, they, 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 they keep their faith to themselves. They keep their ability. They keep their gift. They, they, they just live a, a safe life. You know, the last thing I want to do is live safe. It just sounds boring. Like, honestly, you've got to have some skin in the game. Like, with, with my kids, I want them to ride a bike fast. I want them to maybe every now and then have a few scrapes. And every now and then, uh, you know, Carolina's like, no, no, no. But no, do it. Jump. Have a story to tell. Have a memory. Oh, I remember that time where I, I fell off the counter and I broke my arm. You know, those sort of moments. Like you've got to live. But all of a sudden we live in this society of, oh, no, don't do that. 
No, and then all of a sudden our kids grow up doing nothing. Why? Because they've told no all the time. Because parents have become boring. I'm speaking to myself, sorry. But sometimes we just got to let them live. You know, we give them parameters to live in, to test their faith, so that they don't fail. But we can't bubble wrap. And for some of us, we live a bubble wrapped life. You know, today I want to talk about the three R's for revival for a bubble wrapped life. Here we go. You got your Bibles? Turn to Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. And it's the story of investment. Here we go. Jesus makes this statement or make, uh, says this parable. It's, it's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and he delegated responsibilities. To one he gave uh, $5,000, to another 2000 and a third 1000 depending on their abilities, on their abilities. Then he left right off. The first servant went to work and doubled the master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. Friend, today, don't bury the abilities and gifts that God's given you. Don't bury it. Don't leave it to yourself. Don't hide it away. He's given it to you for a purpose. After a long uh, absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one giving $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. The master commended him and said, good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant, given the 1,000, servant which has uh, 2,000 showed that he'd also doubled his investment. The master commended him and said, good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant, given the 1,000, said, Master, I know you have a high standard and hate careless ways, that you demanded the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, (laughs) to the last cent. The master was furious. This is a terrible way to live. It's criminal uh, to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do least than the least? Less than the least. The least you could have done would have invested the sum of money with the bankers, which at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risks the most, and get rid of the play it safe, who won't go out on a limb. Throw him into utter darkness. Friend, today, God isn't interested in us playing it safe. He wants us to have an element of risk. I read that and I find, too, that he's not a socialist. Well, did I just say that? He is actually looking for people that are diligent with the abilities that he's given you. With the gifts and talents. He's actually looking that we would bring a reward, is that we would risk something. You know, history doesn't teach fatalism. 
You know, people get history they deserve. The people get the history they deserve. You know, in the parable we see of the talents here, we see individuals taking a risk, you know, with what was given to them. You know, five, he doubled it. Two, he doubled it. One, he just buried it. You know, when I look at this, I look at each and every one of them, is that none of them actually had anything to lose at all. Friend, by investing the gifts and the ability that God has given you, you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose at all. Why? Because it was given to you. It's a no-brainer. It was actually given to you. Each and every one of us were given the gifts and ability that we have received from God that we can use them for kingdom purposes. Everything that you have that God has given you, He expects a return. A return of kingdom purposes. You know, we first must need to understand a look at what is in our hand. Friends, today I want to ask the question is, what is in your hand that you can use? What comes natural to you? For most of us, we think, well, I can't preach or I can't play an instrument. You know, God isn't asking you to do that. He's asking you what's in your hand right now. What is the gift set that he's given you? You know, if you're in business, he's given you a gift set so that you can resource kingdom purposes. If you're in the medical field, he's given you the ability to do stuff so that you can bring healing to individuals. God has given each and every one of us a different gift set. We're unique. You are unique to the person sitting next to you. He never created us to say, how boring would it be if we were all Dan Myhills? We would be all peeking up here all the time and no one would get a word in. And I thank God for that. I thank God that we're not all Cam. You would just think there'd be like a bunch of radio announcers walking around this place. The greatest voice in the world. But each and every one of us has a different gift. And this is what this is how life works. But God has given you a gift and an ability to use for kingdom purposes. It was never meant for self. And he's asking, will you take a risk? You know, every great account in the Bible that was recorded was of someone taking the gift and the ability that God had given them and using it and taking a risk. The young shepherd boy, David, facing Goliath, picked up five stones. He used what was in his hand. He stood there. God had given him ability and he used the ability and the gift that he was given to save a nation. The account of a Moses and God's approached him and said, hey, listen, Moses, I want you to go and save Israel. I want you to bring them out of Egypt. And he's like, well, who am I? What am I? What, what do I have? And God's like, well, what's in your hand? Well, just a staff. Throw it down. He threw the staff down. Turns into a snake. Great party trick. But then all of a sudden, he picks it back up and it becomes a staff. And God says, well, just use what's in your hand. 
Friend, today God has given you the ability and the gifts that you have in your hand to use for kingdom purposes, to bring salvation to those around you. But are we willing to risk it? Are we willing to step out of our comfort zone? Are we, are we willing to take off the bubble wrap? Are we willing to share our faith? Are we willing to invest into those around us? What about the cheek of Elijah? Elijah, one of the greatest prophets. He had that much cheek that he actually asked a widow for what was in her hand. There was a drought. This widow had decided, you know what, we're going to make our, our last meal out of the little bit that we've got left, what we've got in our hand. We're going to make the last meal and then my son and I, we're going to die. And Elijah comes along and says, hey, listen, can I have that? Sounds like a pastor, doesn't it? Very quiet in here. How cheeky are they? He asks for what's there and she offers it, she risks it and what happens? She has a packet of Tim Tans that never runs dry. Like we know the story. Throughout that whole drought, she has a jar and she feeds her family and I reckon she probably fed the neighbourhood. Hey, come over, I've got this jar that never runs. Come over, she feeds those around it. Why? Because she was willing to risk it. Friend, if you're willing to risk it, God will come through, bring a miracle for you, your family, your community and those around but we have to be willing to give up what's in our hands. Our abilities, the gifts, and realize that we don't have, like, it's not ours to keep. Is that he's given each and every one of us an ability and a gift for kingdom purposes. Today, friend, will you take that and offer it to God? Will you risk it? Will you offer it to him. Everyone is given something to start with. Not the same, but equal according to their abilities. But equal according to their abilities. What you do with what has been put in your hand, what will you do? Take the risk. The second one is, is see the results. You know, the one with five came back with 10. The one with two came back with four. The one with one buried it. Buried it. Sometimes as Christians, or sometimes Christians speak as if growth, productivity, and return of investment is unholy. But in this parable, it's overturned. It is so overturned is that God expects a return on his investment. God expects a return on his investment. When he sent Jesus to hang on a cross, he expected a return. That return was salvation. That return when Jesus hung on that cross was to set you and I free so that we could walk in relationship with God. God expected a return on that investment. Today, friend, God expects a return on your life. He expects a return. He expects that heaven will come to earth through you. He expects that you will, you'll, you'll preach the gospel. He expects that you'll use your gifts 
for his purposes. God is interested in results. You know, in the story where you remember where Jesus, he walks past the fig tree. And the fig tree's there and there's no figs on it, but he's hungry, he wants something to eat. There's nothing on it. He walks past. But then he comes back and you read through the story and he sees this tree and it's like, what is it? And he curses it. A few days later, the disciples walk past and the tree's dead. And they're like, wow. What's going on here? You know, that story, it says to me that, poor fig tree. Like, honestly, it did nothing wrong. It wasn't even fig season. But he still expected a return. Friend, today, Jesus wants us to bear fruit in and out of season. As Christians, we're called to bear fruit. We're called to bear fruit in every area of our life. And so we find that Jesus actually expects fruit. In John 15, verse 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you can be my disciples. Friend, today Jesus expects us to bear much fruit. To bear much fruit. You know, as Christians, we are called to invest our time, our talent, our treasure into kingdom affairs and we're expected a return. You know, if you're in business, and there are some business people here, if you're in business, you'll understand this. You know, you invest your time, your money, and your gifts and your talents and you expect a return. You expect a profit more than you invested. Isn't that true? Why would you do it if you didn't? You know, if you're an if you're employed, it's the same principle. You know, you invest your time, your gifts, and your talents, and you expect a return. You expect your wage, your salary, your bonuses. True? So much more that God expects the same thing of us as Christians. Is that we should expect a return. The more you invest, the more you should expect a return. The more you invest, the more you should expect a return. Want a great marriage? Invest greatly. Want a great family? Invest greatly. Want a great spiritual life? Invest greatly. Want great friendships? Invest greatly. It's not rocket science. Yet some of us as Christians, we shy away from this. We shy away. And God just asks, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Can I ask this question? Is Christianity a lifestyle choice? Or is it a core belief? Friend, today, do you treat Christianity as a lifestyle choice or a core belief? Because you can see the difference. People that treat it as a a lifestyle, it's just this happiness, this this click. But if it's a core belief, you'll invest. 
if it's a core belief, it'll go beyond just the, the, the lifestyle aspect. Is that Christianity isn't just a... It's, it's not a lifestyle. It's a cause. It's a purpose. It's a core belief of who we are. Is that we want to bring heaven to earth. There is purpose behind it, friend. There is purpose behind it. But if we're just going to keep it as a, you know, as a lifestyle, then we're going to live in a bubble-wrapped life and, and never let anything out. And never let anything in. Friend, today, are you willing to risk it? Are you willing to step out? Are you willing to see results? Are you willing? Everybody today who is involved in the local church expects a return. Every person that serves in the local house expects a return. You know, today we expect a return that someone will receive a revelation from God. A light bulb moment of, wow, that's what God wants for my life. You know, when we, in worship, we expect a return. We expect that the heavens are going to open up as you open your life up and as you start to worship God, we expect that God will come and, and meet with you. His spirit would come around your life. You know, also too in those times of worship, we're declaring healing, we're declaring who our God is. You know, as we're declaring that as a music team and as we're coming into the presence of God, we're expecting healing to take place for individuals that sit in their seats, that stand in their seats, that lift the name of Jesus. That's what faith is. It's about expecting God to move. Friend, today, expect God to move. When you offer God up what you have in your hand, expect God to move through you and in you. Don't sit back on the sidelines. Don't treat it as a lifestyle choice, but treat it as one of those things where you're stepping on the front line and you're declaring that heaven will come to earth, that fruit will will abound. You know, I have come to this conclusion in life. That failure is not defeat, just knowing what not to do next time. This guy, he could have taken that, that one, and invested it, and got a bit of interest. And the master would have been happy. Yeah, okay, you didn't. Or he could have risked it. He could have invested it and maybe lost a little bit. But then, you know, maybe you could lose a little bit, but then you could withdraw it and then maybe you could try something else. And this is what I find is that sometimes when you, when you, when you hit setbacks, you haven't lost anything. You just know what not to do next time. You've actually grown bigger. You've actually grown in yourself. But friend, don't pull away. You know, the result is that you become a bigger person through it. Take the risk, see the results, and then actually reap the 
reward. Reap the reward. Friends, we are called to reap. We are called to harvest. You know, the good work you did, your job, well, from now on, be my partner. This is what the Master says to those that have come back, those that have doubled. He says, hey, now be my partner. They go from being a servant to a partner. There's more strength in partnership. Today, friend, God is asking you to be his partner. If we're fruitful, he wants to partner with you. He wants to connect with you. In this parable, Jesus affirms we will earn greater responsibility as a result of our efforts here on earth. Don't you just love it? Hey, listen, Mark, I want to reward you. You've been awesome. You've done an amazing job. You've been fruitful in all that you've done. You know what? I'm going to reward you. Here, I'm going to give you more. Don't you love that? In a world where we're pulling back, hey, I don't want responsibility. Hey, listen, I don't want that. You see it all the time. Oh, I don't get paid for that. Friend, let me tell you, it's kingdom purposes. We all don't get paid. We get to partner. It's a privilege. It's an honor that God would choose you and I to partner with him. Whoa, right there is a mind shift. Do you want to know whether you're fruitful in life? Do you want to know whether God's happy with you? So you just add more to your plate. And what I love about God is that when he starts to add more, it's not because you can't handle it, it's because he's stretching you, because he wants you to be bigger. Because he's saying, hey, I've got a bigger world for you to step into. I've got more for you to receive. I've got more for you to do. I've got more for you to impact. Matthew 25, 23. He says, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You know, the reward of faithfulness is bringing increase, is being fruitful, it's adding value. It's adding value. Reward is more responsibility. Friend, today, faithfulness isn't just showing up. The world's standard is just showing up. Biblically and in God's standard, it's being fruitful. Just because you show up to work on time isn't faithfulness. Just because of these things... Faithfulness is bearing fruit. There are some people that just show up. And honestly, sometimes you wish they just wouldn't show up. Why? Because sometimes it's more hassle if they show up. 
who's sitting next to someone like that? Put your hand down. Okay. Husbands and wives. Anyway. It's just knowing, just faithfulness. Not just turning up. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter in to the joy of the master. Sometimes we see responsibility here on earth as a burden. Friend, today it's not a burden. It's a privilege to partner with heaven. It's a privilege to bring life, to speak life, to invest, to bring fruit. Luke 12, 48, the message version says this, the servant who knows what his master wants and ignores it does whatever he pleases will be thoroughly, what's that word? No one's saying a word. If you ignore what God wants you to do, if you ignore your master, if you ignore it, you'll be thoroughly what? That's harsh. That's harsh. But if he does a poor job through ignorance, he'll get off with a slap on the hand. Slap on the hand. In other words, he wants you to try. If you don't know, just give it a go. Great gifts mean great responsibilities. Greater gifts mean greater responsibilities. His reward will be responsibilities, maximizing your talents in such a way that it produces great joy. In his purpose, you will find fulfillment. Friend, today God is expecting a reward from you and me. He's expecting everyone to use our gifts and our talents for kingdom purposes. And friend, when when we offer up what we have in our hand, he breathes upon it supernaturally, and it bears fruit. Not a little fruit, but much fruit. Friend, he wants you to bear much fruit. He wants to see discipleship around your life. He wants to see salvation. He wants to see revival take place in and through you. But we first must step out. We first must invest what he's given us. We first must take hold and listen to the voice of God. 